everyone to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by our very special guest and our very first in-person guest as well as we're recording this in a library down on the Cape. But uh, I want to welcome to the podcast Blue Fancy. She's a member of the St. Anselm's women's hockey team. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Blue, and how's everything going? Everything's going well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for coming on. Now, we've been talking a little bit back and forth, but uh, what have you been up to, I guess, uh, throughout the past couple of uh, months with the season not really happening for your team and also uh, with the pandemic going on as well? I've just been trying to do my best to sort of train away from people as much as I can. Um, I've been going on a lot of runs, a lot of cardio around the Cape, and I've just been doing the typical Cape Cod summer working and just enjoying my time on the beach. Well, that's awesome to hear, and obviously, you know, the beaches here are pretty cool. What's your favorite beach overall? I've been to a few so far, but uh, I've been been quite busy. I haven't really had time to go out to one yet. Yeah, my favorite beach is Nasa Beach just because it's close to my house, and it has the drive-on beach where you can take your truck, and it's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you didn't play any games really last year. I I saw on the website they had like a team scrimmage, but that was about it. So what's it been like uh, not playing any games, and how have you tried to use this time uh, to develop your game and get ready for next season? It's definitely been difficult, especially with um, the season last year. Every week it was kind of like a promise of, oh, maybe potentially we'll have a season. Like, we don't know. It was kind of like a week-to-week thing. And I think the hardest part was just kind of keeping that mentality of, oh yeah, we could have a season, we could have a season, just kind of keep going at it like everything was normal. Um, But yeah, I mean, just taking the time off is also good for hockey. A little bit of a setback isn't entirely a bad thing. Um, I think it's just going to give us more push and more motivation for next season. Yeah, definitely. And how are you going about preparing for next year with almost a year and a half to prepare, which is pretty crazy uh, to think about? Yeah, I've been just trying to get my cardio up and really focusing on like acceleration, stops and starts with hockey. I think that's the biggest part of... um, sort of off-season training is just keeping that heart rate up and being ready for when you hit the ice on the fall. Now, things are obviously opening back up uh, with the restrictions getting loosened because of uh, the new pandemic rules, uh, which is good to see. So has that changed your approach, I guess, during this off-season, um, having more time to go on the ice maybe or to go in the gym uh, with less restrictions than last year? Yeah, I've been trying to keep away from the gym just because, especially on the Cape during the summer, it's kind of overpopulated and mm-hmm. everyone's just trying to go to the gym. So I've been doing the most I can outside um, in my house, things like that. But it's definitely a lot nicer because the summer leagues, summer leagues for women's hockey has kind of opened up. Um, I play at the Bog weekly, so that's kind of different from last summer where I didn't really have that. So it's really nice to see things open up. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, you know, with the gyms uh, here, I've never really been to them, but like with the weather recently, it's been pretty bad. Uh, How have you adapted to that? Because uh, is this has been the cloudiest week I've ever experienced on the Cape so far. Yeah, I think the hardest thing with the weather is, like, the humidity of it, especially, you know, the heat. Like, you can try to bat- battle through that, but, like, just breathing and gasping for air, like, it's re- very thick here on the Cape. So I think that's, like, the biggest challenge. And I think with it is just the timing of when you work out. I feel like, like, the mornings are better or, like, the late afternoons are the best times. Yeah, definitely, especially with the fog in the morning. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> it's, like, kind of a cool environment to be a part of. I've never really worked out in it before, but mm-hmm. I think it would be super cool yeah. uh, to be a part of that uh, at weather atmosphere. Yeah, it definitely has its challenges, but it's awesome living on the cave. Yeah, definitely. So I guess, like, the N-E-W-H-A, it's a hard name for me yeah. to pronounce, <laughs> but... Um, they had two teams uh, play last year. Did you get to watch any of those teams play, and how have you tried to evaluate LIU 
and Sacred Heart uh, for next year because they have a lot of good players coming into their program next year. Yeah, we definitely as a team sort of kept up with their scrimmages, watched them live and things like that because obviously with the pandemic that's all we could do. Um, evaluating them for next year, we kind of don't know much. I mean, every season um, they're bringing in new girls, new coaching, so we really have no idea, but I guess that's just the game of hockey at where we're at right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, what is something you think you need to improve on the most stuff regarding your game for next year? I think every year, I think something that I've noticed is just keeping up with hockey IQ. And I think like the biggest thing with that is just to continue watching hockey throughout the summer and things like that because the game every year, especially in women's hockey, has just been like growing and changing. So I think the best way to do that is just to watch other teams play, watch the pros play, and just consume as much of it as you can. Well, this has been the best summer to do that with all yeah. the with the NHL season being delayed and then with the Women's World Championships being held in August. Uh, now, I guess besides LAU and Sacred Heart, have you been watching any college hockey this year? Uh, what's your thoughts on Wisconsin winning it? Uh, and I guess UMass winning it as well on the men's side, if you yeah. watch that. Um, I definitely kept up more on the women's side. Um, it's really impressive to see Wisconsin just every year kind of just like being the top dog and I think that's incredible I think they have a great program and a great coaching staff I know a few of the girls on that team and they just you know work their butts off all season and I think they really deserve that yeah definitely uh, with Daryl Watts's overtime winner goal uh, yeah. I didn't expect that to go in I don't know about yourself <laughs> well I, it's Daryl Watts so I was like yeah it's going in <laughs> yeah no I think that's good and do you think the playoffs or tournament should be expanded for women's hockey I know that was kind of a, a small discussion happening uh, amongst the community just because of uh, with there were so many teams that probably deserved to get in that couldn't get in just because the playoff tournament was so small. But also, in my opinion, I think it makes it interesting because it makes it so hard to get into. They have to work really hard during the regular season to get in, and it makes the regular season even more fun to watch. Yeah, I think the sizing of the playoffs is definitely. I I think it should stay the same right now because it really shows like what teams are really gritty and can last that long, especially the hockey season. It's one of the longest seasons in college hockey or like college sports. I mean. So it definitely shows like how gruesome and like what teams can really take it there. Yeah, especially in women's hockey because with the pros, they're playing like every couple of weeks. But in college, you're playing every weekend. And even more, back in the day, they used to play like 25 games. And now they're playing almost 40 games uh, in a season. So it's just good to see the growth of the sport. And you can see it by the amount of games that teams are playing in college. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, especially at my school. Um, a lot of the my college athlete friends that play other sports, they have like maybe like a three, four-month season with post and preseason. And then our season is anywhere from September to March, and it's yeah. the longest one out of the whole school. And it's it's tiring, but it's definitely something you sign up for and have to commit to. Yeah, no, hockey's the best sport, so it makes yeah. sense. We need it to be longer than some of the other sports sometimes. So yeah. I definitely agree with your school uh, making it the longest. Now, I guess uh, you're, you were telling me that you got brand new coaches uh, for your team for next season. Uh, what was your reaction to their hiring, and how excited are you to play under those coaches um, next year? Yeah, I mean, change is definitely good. My experience um, in high school, like, I was always, every year, it seemed like I had a new coach, so I don't really see this as, like, a bit of a adjustment, but it's definitely, like, adversity that we have to face. But, yeah, our coach, our coaching staff from last year, um, we kind of got, like, a last-minute notice. It was kind of abrupt, but, you know, that's how things go, and we have a really good group of girls, and I think that if we just stick together, like we're going to be able to overcome anything, especially new coaching. And yeah, I think it's going to be good for every one. Change is good. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, what are some of your goals and expectations for next season? And I will have to ask you this. Do you get an extra year of eligibility uh, because of the pandemic? Yeah, I do get an extra year of eligibility. I'm not sure if I'm going to take that year, but my expectations for next year as a senior is just to grind and train and work as hard as I can for that one year that I have left and then see if I want to do it again or 
whatever the case may be. But I think my main focus is just focusing on my major. I'm a business and marketing major and just trying to see where that path is going to lead me. That's awesome to hear. Now talk about the freshman class from this year and then obviously this incoming freshman class as well. Um, how have you guys tried to get to know each other a little bit during this unusual time? Yeah, so last year was kind of difficult. At the beginning of the year, we were very limited on group sizing. We could only be with about maybe five or six of us at a time in small groups. Um, as the upperclassmen in our um, team, we tried to like um, see them in like small groups, like just have like little meetings outside and small circles like every few days. Um, our training groups were, were really small. We did a lot of team Zooms, which was um, good because girls were very talkative and that kind of like broke the ice a little bit. But then as the year went on, like in the spring, we could meet as a big team and it was really cool to do that. Yeah, I know. I was checking out some of the freshmen. One freshman that stood out to me was Claire Kuypers. Uh, she had a great year with Eden Prairie in high school uh, two seasons ago now, which is crazy to think about. Um, how, what are your expectations for her coming into next year, being an impact uh, freshman technically or sophomore? Yeah, well, no, she's definitely a powerhouse. Um, she's also a nursing major, so she's very smart, especially at CNAs. It's a very hard major to kind of juggle with, especially playing a sport. So, yeah, I definitely have some high expectations for her because I know she can handle it. Now, let's start off talking about the beginning of your hockey career and work all the way up to where you are now uh, with St. Anselm. So you're from Orleans, Massachusetts, Cape Cod. Um, talk about how did you start playing hockey and falling in love with the sport because I'm from Central Mass, and it's like pretty, I don't know, I can't, it's kind of hard to think about how there's still hockey on the Cape. It seems like you guys are kind of separated from the rest of the state. Yeah, it definitely feels like I'm on my own little planet here on the <laughs> Cape. <laughs> but growing up, I um, was very girly. I wanted to do ballet, like figure skate, all those things. I tried figure skating, and... I just simply could not skate in figure skates. My dad, who was um, a ref and like grew up playing hockey, he gave me my first pair of hockey skates and he was like, try, try to skate with these. And I just instantly could skate with them and I love the sport and I was like, can we do this again? And then it just kind of escalated from there. And then I played um, like recreation hockey, I guess, with like boys teams till I was about in eighth grade. And then that's when I kind of had to transition into girls hockey just cause with like body development and everything like that. Um, yeah, I started playing for the Storm in Falmouth, which is an hour commute from where I live just for practice. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely a commitment. But at that time, I knew that I wanted to play college hockey, and that's what I had to do to get there. And then when I was a junior, I went to the National, or Naha, and then senior year, I went to the Selects Academy. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. I have to ask you, what's the Cape Cod hockey scene like? Because I'm a Central Mass guy, so I feel like we kind of get overlooked when you think about Massachusetts hockey because a lot of people think about the East Coast, the Boston area, they kind of overlook Central Mass, but I think from my perspective, I feel like the Cape probably might get overlooked a little bit more than Central Mass does. Oh, we definitely get overlooked. I feel like any person here who is really serious about hockey and like sort of moving up to the next level and progressing really has to like find a team off Cape just because we simply don't have the numbers here. Um, the population grows in the summer, but in the winter, it's dead here. Mm -hmm. It's, like, not a lot of people. But we do have really good in-house and recreation programs, and, you know, the hockey scene is definitely building, and there's a lot more girls that are um, wanting to play, which is awesome. So Yeah, and how do you try to help the women's hockey scene on the Cape? Uh, just because, like you said, uh, a lot of players, not just girls, but guys hockey players as well, have to go off Cape just to try to pursue their hockey career. So how do you try to help uh, 
young women's hockey players trying to pursue a college career on the Cape because I think that's a cool thing for a young player to look up to a player like yourself like hey she's from the Cape I can do that as well yeah so when I was in high school we actually didn't really have a girls team so I talked to some people and we sort of merged three towns into one high school program we called it the Furies and it was Cape Cod Tech, um, Monomoy, and Nosset, just because there, again, was not a big following of girls hockey. So we kind of just got a bunch of girls who wanted to play the sport and just taught them how to skate and do all these things. And yeah, I think that was like the big push for girls hockey on the Cape. Yeah, definitely. Now, who was your favorite player growing up? What team did you watch? Uh, just give me a little background on who you liked watching growing up. Um, I guess for professional hockey, I obviously love the Bruins. I think growing up, my favorite player was Lucic, just watching him in the 2011 playoffs was just incredible, especially as a young girl. I just, I love that atmosphere. I went to the Boston Bruins parade and just instantly fell in love with the franchise after that. But then as I got kind of older, like my favorite woman player would be Casey Bellamy. She's awesome. Yeah. I also really love um, Jocelyn and Monique, Monique, the twins. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And obviously those three players you mentioned uh, were just recently retired. Uh, yeah. What was your reaction to that news? Um, I kind of saw it coming. I mean, they've really done their part, and I guess the pandemic and everything has really taken a toll on people, and I think it was just time for them, and if it's time for them, it's good enough for me. Yeah, definitely. Well, at least you got to see them play in their prime, I guess, which is good to see, uh, especially as a young uh, female athlete. Yeah, they definitely pushed women's sports in general, and they were amazing players. Now, I have to ask you, um, before uh, St. Anselm, you played for Naha Academy, like you just said. I want to ask you, how did you get the opportunity to go to that team and play for Naha? Because it's a very, very good program if you do your research on the players that have gone through there. Yeah, so I, um, when again, when I was a freshman in high school, I played on the Cape Cod Storm. And with that team, we made it to nationals and things like that. Um, I think with that, I just got a lot of exposure. I also got a lot of exposure from um, doing the mass like um, development camps and things like that I went to national camp and that's where I got a lot of looks so I think just communication through that and the coaches there really helped me. Now how did playing for Naha and Selects help prepare you for college hockey with St. Anselm? Oh it prepared me so much I kind of um, got rid of that whole homesickness feeling you get when you're a freshman so um, the incoming freshman in college I didn't really like experience the whole oh I miss my parents I miss living at home because I was used to it I didn't live at home throughout high school um, it really prepared me, especially on like thinking ahead about what ex assignments I have that week and things like that. I just it really helped me balance school and hockey a yeah. lot, which yeah. is something that most people didn't get. Yeah, I know. I had Kalia Johnson on the podcast a few months ago, and she went to Naha back in the day, and she was telling me like how she was pretty much already used to kind of the college lifestyle because you're doing hockey in the morning, then school in the afternoon, so you learn how to balance that, which most players in high school don't get just because they're in a different type of environment. So I think that's pretty cool that Selects and Naha kind of have that set up uh, to prepare kids uh, for that lifestyle of being a student athlete. Yeah, they definitely prepped me a lot and I just, I'm so grateful for going to those two programs. It was amazing. Now what's the best memory you've ever had at those two programs? And just talk about the players you got to play with when you were there. Yeah, so at Naha, I guess like, it was just a combination of a bunch of memories, but we pretty much lived in this cabin, like in Vermont, it was in still Vermont. And it was just, probably like 40 girls in my cabin and we would just enjoy each other like as much as we could we'd play outside we'd sled mm -hmm. we'd just do the things like normal girls would do up there in Vermont and um at Selects I think my favorite memory was the f state finals in New York my senior year we evidently lost that game but it was such a fun game to play in and we lost like 5-4 but it was just like 
so much drive and like push throughout our team and I think it was awesome to see that happen. Yeah, definitely. Now talk about your recruitment process. What was that like for yourself and what made you want to go to St. Anselm's versus other schools? Yeah, so my recruitment process, I started thinking about colleges when I was a sophomore in high school and I think that by the time I was a junior was when I started visits and things like that. Um, my first ever school visit was actually at Trinity College and I loved it there and then I kind of understood that I wanted to go to a small school with that sort of New England prep school kind of vibe. And um, yeah, St. Anselm was just sort of the perfect fit for me. I instantly fell in love with the campus and the rink, the rink is beautiful. And yeah, it's very close to home. So that was a big factor. I was four hours away from home when I went to Naha and I was seven hours from home when I went to select. So I really wanted to be close to home. Now, what was the biggest adjustment you had to make to college? Was it the speed of the game? I guess the physicality as well, since it's a little more physical in college versus um, uh, junior hockey. Yeah, it was definitely the physicality of the game, but um, our team is actually very fast, so we kind of like neglect that aspect of the game because we can just outpace everyone. Um, another big thing that I had to adjust to was just like the length of practices and training. We had that in high school and at prep school, but you know, college practices are just more demanding altogether. Yeah, no, and the physicality aspect, um, there's been a lot of discussion, I guess, about uh, whether hitting should be allowed in women's hockey or not. I want to get your opinion. Do you think hitting should be allowed in women's hockey? I think the game as it is at the college level is definitely very physical. I think it can do without the hits because we do like bump each other and push and like it takes more of like um, a discipline, I guess, to sort of know how to hit someone correctly in a way to like make it acceptable in the women's game. But yeah, it's I think I think it's fine as it is. Yeah, I know because I've been hearing both sides of the argument. One side I, I think is a good argument is because it'll make refereeing the game a lot easier. Because I've noticed sometimes refs could toe the line whether what's a hit and what's not a hit. Yeah. So like sometimes a ref might not call a play that should be called, and sometimes they might call a play that shouldn't be called. So if you add that aspect into the game, it would be easier to call a game and actually make the game safer. But I totally get where you're coming from, where uh, the game doesn't need that aspect of it. It's just fine the way it is. Yeah, I mean, it definitely depends on, like I guess, the speed of whatever game you're playing. But the game is very physical as it is, and girls do bump and hit each other. But it's not like checking wise like in men's hockey or anything like that what's the biggest I guess quote-unquote check you've ever had on a player I'm curious <laughs> I'm not really sure I just remember my freshman year in college um there was a playoff game somebody uh, tried to you know hit my goalie and I just gave him a good nudge <laughs> <You gotta laughs> nothing big <laughs> you gotta give the you gotta protect the goalie though oh, absolutely. so that I don't so I, I think that's completely fine in my book I yeah. totally would be on your side on that oh, yeah, I totally got away with it too <laughs> that's good that's good don't worry I've gotten away with a few penalties <laughs> so it's all good now um Last year you lost to Long Island University, or I guess I should say your freshman year, you lost to Long Island University in the NEWHA Championship. Uh, what did you take away from your team's performance uh, that season and overall um, in that game, just losing to LIU but obviously making it all the way there? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely proud of my team for making it all the way there, especially with um, the game against Franklin Pierce where we had like a bunch of overtimes, the longest overtime games in like women's history. And um, yeah, I'm just really proud, especially because that season was very, very long. It really showed like how mentally tough we were as a team. And yeah, I'm just proud of my team. Yeah, that's awesome. And how do you like try to mentally stay like in shape uh, in, the, in those overtimes? Because you're obviously physically tired, but you also have to stay um, um, mentally in shape and physically in shape just because you don't want your legs to burn out and stuff. So what's like the what's your mindset throughout those overtimes? 
Well, I think the biggest thing when someone's in that situation is just, I guess, leaning towards your teammates, like especially on my team, like everything's really about the environment we're in and pushing each other. If we see someone down, just try to get them out of that mindset. And I think that's what really helps girls to like keep going. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, I think it was like five overtime game with Duluth and North Dakota. Yeah. And I was just yeah. like, I don't know how they can do it just because you're so exhausted, but you're I guess like maybe that drive to want to win yeah. keeps you going, but I don't know how you can do it without like cramping and stuff. So I have a lot yeah. of respect for anyone that goes through <laughs> those long overtimes. It's kind of a grind. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to think like, oh, I just want this game to be over, but you just can't think like that, especially at that level. I don't think it goes through your mind at all. At least, no. at least if I was playing, that wouldn't go through my mind. I wouldn't even be paying attention. I'd be just trying to find a way to win. I think maybe from a fan perspective, you're starting to think about when it should be over, but I think from a player's perspective, you're not really, that's not really going through your mind at all. Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting because when I was like watching the game, you could tell that like part of it was just muscle memory, girls just knowing how to break the puck out where people will be. And like you really rely on that like hockey sense. Now, what's it like playing in the NEWHA? I'm curious because there's a lot of good teams and I feel like that league gets kind of overlooked a little bit or that conference gets kind of overlooked a little bit because I only found out a, a more about it uh, in the past year just from learning about women's hockey. Yeah, that league was kind of consistent for a little bit, but these past few years, like, every, it almost seems every month that there's, like, a big jump in, like, competition and, like, girls developing and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's really, like, fluctuating, and, like, I just see it growing and, like, increasing. And I'm pretty sure that more teams are joining it next year, such as, like, Stonehill, yeah. Assumption, I think, and a few others. That's good to see, and I hope the league continues to grow. And what's the process going to be like to get a bid, an automatic bid in the national tournament? Because I know you guys, the league has finally reached the being in Division One, I, I guess, limit to finally get an automatic bid for the national tournament. Yeah, so I just, I know that our league now can qualify into the Frozen Four, but then we would, the winner of our league, I'm pretty sure has, gets a bid into the um, national championship, but it does depend on strength of schedule, um, scores of games and things like that. And that's um, sort of like the big factor of it, strength of schedule. Yeah, I know. I saw that LIU was playing a lot of one of those powerhouse conferences like the ECAC and Hockey East. Uh, does your school plan to schedule against teams like that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure our first four games are actually against Northeastern and UMaine, just double headers, so wow. we're right off the gate. <laughs> How excited to play uh, Northeastern. That's going to be, I know it seems like a scary task, but honestly, I believe that you and your team uh, could beat that team. That's yeah. just my hunch. Yeah, I mean, everything's new next year, which is awesome. New coaching, new girls, new everything, new league. Um, yeah, so... We're just going to have to see where it goes, but I don't doubt that we can't do it. Now, we uh, we have to pretty, kind of look into the future a little bit. Yeah. It's 0-0 Northeastern versus St. Anselm. <laughs> you have a breakaway. You score. Do you think that's going to happen? Can you confirm that you could potentially be involved with the game-winning goal that upsets Northeastern in potentially their first ever game of the season? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, if it does happen, I like to say that I called it and that Blue Fancy is a good friend of College Hockey Talk, yes. so <laughs> we, I, I believe it could happen. I'll, yeah. I'm believing you. I'll be rooting for you during that okay, game. Okay, thank you so much. I mean, if it does happen, I'll just replay this podcast and mm-hmm. say I told you so. <laughs> you, better shout out, you better shout us out. That's oh, absolutely. <laughs> now, my final question to you uh, before we get to the non-hockey segment is just talk about your overall experience with St. Anselm and the transition to Division One hockey and just what, what message would you want to give players that are listening to this podcast on why St. Anselm should be taken as such a powerhouse school in the end the EWHA. Yeah, I think um, my experience at St. A's has been incredible. I absolutely love the school, and I think my biggest advice to anyone who's looking to play college hockey is just fall in love with the school that you're at because 
you're going to endure so many changes, different teammates, different coaches, and that one constant is going to be the life that you have at school. So just really develop that because that's like your rock, you know, that's your home. So, yeah. So we're now in the non-hockey segment of the podcast. I don't know if you've heard about this. This <laughs> no. is like the this is like the big uh, big segment. We ask you some non-hockey questions, kind of get to know you a little bit off the ice. Now, my first question to you is: If there was a movie made about your life, who would you want to play yourself, and why? Oh gosh, um, this is actually funny. So I I work at the Chatham Bars Inn as a server, and um, some guests actually told me the other day that I looked like Shay Mitchell. <laughs> I don't know who if you know who that is. That's a girl from Pretty Little Liars. So I think it'd be best for her to play me just mm-hmm. because of the resemblance but yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah no i've i remember the name from the tv show you i don't know yeah. if you've ever seen that TV yeah, show. i, have, I, I think have. she's in the first season if i'm not mistaken uh if i got my names correct but no that's a good tv show and i kind of see the resemblance a little yeah. bit i'm not i'm not i'm not a fan i've never seen pretty little eyes so i can't uh, yeah. really talk too much about it i mean that's like the only celebrity i've ever gotten to for someone to be like oh yeah you definitely look like her so it's interesting yeah i've never really gotten anyone saying that i look like a celebrity probably like i guess the funny one would be pete davidson because we oh, have yeah. similar like we don't look anything alike but i think it would be cool because we have similar like sense of humor yeah so i feel like you can portray my story well oh, with that sense one. of humor no, or that's a really good one. or this is not like a celebrity but tom brady just because i'm a big fan of him and i think that'd be yeah. awesome so that, yeah. those two for me well yeah he is the goat so definitely gotta definitely. pick him <laughs> obviously obviously now what is the most interesting thing you've seen or read recently i should say it's been kind of a boring news week for at least because i haven't been paying attention to it yeah this is like I don't know if it's like a weekly thing, but this always comes up in conversation. But recently in Provincetown, which is a town near me on the Cape, some man was uh, swallowed by a whale. Mm -hmm. So that's always a topic of conversation in my house. And we keep debating on, you know, did it really happen? Mm -hmm. Like, blah, blah, blah. And like the biology of a whale, like, can a whale open its mouth that big? And like, because I I don't know. What do you think? Do you think he actually got swallowed? I don't think he got swallowed, but I think he was definitely in the mouth of a whale because... I don't know, I looked it up, like a whale's stomach is very small because they eat like algae, plankton, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I, I do believe he was in the mouth of the whale, but I don't think he was like in the stomach of the whale or anything like that. Well, at first I did not believe him at all. I was like, this guy's totally making this yeah. up. But I think apparently from people that actually know this guy, apparently he wouldn't make it up. He's like, this is like probably true. And doing research, this has happened before. Some mm-hmm. guy in like South Africa got swallowed by a whale. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that story. It's like very similar. No, that's so scary. He also the same guy that was swallowed by the whale that I'm talking about. He survived a plane crash. Yeah, I know. So I would I'm not like... want. I would not hang out with that guy. Three strikes. That's three like three strikes. So yeah. I feel like three strikes. You know, you never know what could happen. So I would not. I would not be around that guy, or at least close, far, farly distant from him. Yeah, I think you should write a book for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but it reminded me of the Finding Nemo scene where. Uh, I think it was Marwin and uh, Dor- Dor- Dory yeah. geez, uh, were in the humpback whale and they're trying to get out. That totally, I don't know why, it just brought back that memory of that yeah. movie uh, when they were in it, when I when I heard that story. Yeah, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I think the There's amount of panic I would have is just insane. I think you can't do anything. You're just like stuck in there. Because yeah. it's such, those whales are like, I don't know, they're really big. They're huge. And also like say you get um, spit up or whatever. Like you come to the service, like what do you like? What do you do? You just tell someone you just got swallowed. Like, are they gonna believe you? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's it. I don't know. It's better than getting. We see survived number one, but also it's yeah. probably better than getting swallowed by like a shark or something like oh, that. Yeah. So I think whales' teeth are probably. I don't know anything about ocean animals, but probably a little less uh, stronger. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm very into ocean animals. I actually had an internship this winter with the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy in Chatham, and uh, yeah, I was like their social media intern, but we got to like hang or. 
learn a lot about sharks and like their behavior and it's pretty cool i'm low-key scared of the ocean really I, oh yeah like I don't, I, there's something about it like first of all only five percent of the ocean like we know about yeah so that means like 95 percent of it we don't even know anything about the creatures in there are like real like they scary. could scary. they're probably more scarier than some of the land animals we well, have yeah. here so just all of that like no thank you Terrifies i'm more of a me. land land guy like i won't go on a cruise or anything like that oh really yeah no i, I don't think i'd go on a cruise i'm I'm very into, like, the beach and, like... I agree with yeah. you, yeah. I would do, to go walks on the beach. I'll do a quick, like, what's it called, scuba thing, like, on shallow yeah. water, <laughs> where you see, like, coral reefs and stuff and, like, small fish, but deep-sea scuba diving with those humpback whales or whatever that guy was doing, uh, I'm totally out. No, I used to be a big surfer growing up here on the Cape, but nowadays with all the sharks, I just... I don't even go below mm-hmm. waist-deep. It's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, if I'm curious about any of the animals, I'll just go to the aquarium, which, by the way, I haven't been to... That's, like, one thing I really want to do yeah. uh, since the pandemic is starting to hopefully wind down. I want to go to the aquarium. I yeah. really... I, I think they're awesome. I think the jellyfish part of the aquarium is the best part. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, especially because they have the cool, like, dark lights in there. Yeah. I don't know. Have you been, like, do you go to the New England Aquarium, I assume? I've been there, yeah. yeah no, that's, it's, it's very cool. Yeah, no, that's a really good one. But the best one I've ever been to is either Mystic and down in Connecticut. That's a really good one. Or the Baltimore Aquarium. My grandparents used to live down there, and I visited there when I was, like, seven. One of the coolest things I ever got to do. That's awesome. No, I'm, I'm very into marine life. <laughs> I am, too, but from a distance, though. Yeah. I can't, like, right. go into it. I've never understood people like that. It's, it's definitely a mindset to have. Yeah, it's definitely not to be messed with. <laughs> Now, um, w- another non-hockey question is, if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, uh, what would you say and why? Hmm, that's a, that's a very hard one. I think my biggest thing would just to be, like, do whatever makes you happy, and at the end of the day, like, your family is, like, the most important thing, so keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. I think that's, like, my biggest thing is, like, or something my parents have taught me that, like, you're always going to have your family, so. Yeah, definitely. That's a good message to have for especially in these times where I feel like people haven't really been having the chance to see their families. It's still important to keep them in the back of their head. Yeah, keep them in loop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, what is something you wish more people knew about yourself besides being a good hockey player? I'm curious. Any fun facts? Uh, I have a few fun facts. Um, so I can speak five languages fluently. Oh, um, that's awesome. Yeah. So I grew up um, going back and forth. My mom is Indonesian. Mm-hmm. So I grew up till I was in middle school, like um, doing summers in Indonesia, like in Bali. So she, wow. yeah, that's where I was born too. So it's pretty oh, cool. Oh, wow. What, uh, what other languages can you speak besides uh, Indonesian? I can speak English, Indonesian, Balinese, Javanese, and Arabic. Oh, that's awesome. Can you yeah. say like college hockey talk in like Indonesian? Well, it would just be college hockey talk. Oh. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Say like, I don't know, say like a sentence in Indonesian, I guess. I'm curious. I want to like. Halo nama blue, sekarang aku ngomong sama Matt. So I just said that I, my name is Blue, and right now I'm speaking on a podcast with Matt. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I've always wanted to learn how to speak another language. I think that's really important and really cool to learn because yeah. in Europe, they, they teach their um, citizens how to speak multiple different languages. Yeah. I feel like that's something we should do more here in the U.S. I think it's easier if you're, like, put in that environment and you're just constantly hearing it because I was never, like, sat down and taught. I just learned from, like, hearing it and, like, mm-hmm. associating words with, like, objects and just constantly, like, switching and hearing things yeah definitely yeah. i always want to learn how to speak spanish that's my yeah. second language i think it's awesome i yeah. want to i want to just because like i want to like someone to talk to me and just switch up in spanish yeah. i think that'll be sick you should watch um narcos you'll pick up on some spanish that netflix show uh, that's really? what i've been doing yeah yeah no i really want to I've, I've honestly th- been thinking about like taking like lessons and trying to learn how to do it because yeah. i've been becoming into soccer a lot lately oh, being yeah. a fan mm-hmm. and a lot of the best players speak Span- spanish yeah. like lionel messi he yeah. only speaks Spanish, so I kind of, like, want to learn what he's saying did without, like, doing the 
the subtitles or anything. Yeah. Did you watch the Italy England game? Oh, I didn't get to watch it because I was working at a game, mm-hmm. but uh, I saw the highlights and oh my gosh, yeah. that, that's crazy. I think yeah. that's the coolest thing about soccer is the penalty kicks. Yeah. Uh, at the last minute, just because it's drama, you either make it or you don't, yeah. and you're remembered forever. I think that's awesome. Yeah, but for the losing team, I think that's the most heartbreaking loss. Yeah, you well, can have. I, I think the England should be proud of those guys for making it that far. And unfortunately, there's been some racist things that have been t- thrown at those players, which is terrible to see. And I think those fans should not be fans of the game of soccer. That doesn't help the grow, grow the sport. And it's just awful to see. Yeah, and it's the number one sport in like mm-hmm. the entire world. Like I think to like have racial remarks or anything like that is like very like anti-soccer because mm-hmm. it is a universal sport yeah definitely and it should be it should be like they i know they have the slogan hockey is for everyone but i don't know they definitely won't say football is for everyone yeah. i think they should do that it's so universally everyone yeah. plays it like people from africa play and people from um asia play yeah. it's like it's that's what makes it so fun to watch because the world cup i love international hockey but the one thing i wish more about it was there was other countries involved with it yeah and if i ever had the money i would always try to like grow the sport in that way bring it to countries where hockey isn't that well known yeah i think the cool thing about soccer is it's all over the place like it's in different countries and that what's that's what makes the world cup fun to watch and all, all those other international tournaments fun to watch as yeah. well yeah yeah definitely the fifa's supposed to be next year yeah it's gonna be in the winter time because it's in Qatar. Yeah. And it's too hot to do in the summer, so they're doing the winter time. So that should be interesting to yeah. see it in the fall. I know in the summer it can get up to like 110 degrees over. Like, yeah. It's insane. Yeah, and then it's going to be in the U.S. in 2026. That's and very exciting. I'm definitely going to try to earn some money and try to go to the World Cup final because I think it's going to be in MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? Wow. I think so. It's either going to be there or L.A. It's going to bring a lot of people. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think hopefully Gillette hosts some games too. Yeah, be that would be really fun. But, yeah, no, that's like one of my dreams. And I feel like... It's only every four years. You gotta, yeah, you gotta, gotta, you gotta go just to that. So that's 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 something I learned during the pandemic. Just take advantage of those things. So if it ever comes out, I'll definitely, uh, definitely yeah. try to go. Um, let's talk a little bit about your teammates, I guess. Who's the funniest teammate you have at St. A's? Oh gosh, we have a very, very funny group of girls. But I think one of the funniest girls is um, my roommate, actually, Erin Myers. She's mm-hmm. hilarious in the sense that she just does like very clumsy things, and she's just all over the place. Now, you have the best style on the team. That's just undebatable. Oh, but besides yourself, who has the best style on the team? Like um, like, outfit-wise or like hockey-wise? Uh, both. Oh, gosh. You um, obviously have the best for both, but I'm just saying for like trying to hype <laughs> some other people up. I think um, Maddie McCaffrey has the best off-ice style. She's very trendy. She's very into like big brands and things like that. She's a freshman this year or in, going to be a sophomore. Um, but I think on-ice style, um, I don't know. I kind of want to give it to um kelly galini mm-hmm. yeah what's this process for picking your pregame outfit because for guys oh. hockey it's pretty easy you just pair it put on a suit i feel like for women's hockey you have more options so it's a little more tougher to decide yeah no that's definitely the case sometimes i'm like oh gosh like i don't know what to wear and some days i'm just like mm-hmm. i just somebody else pick for me that's like the nice thing like a lot of my roommates are also hockey players so we kind of like help each other out in that case but it's usually like a blazer like a nice like petticoat kind of thing especially in the winter when it's like negative whatever Mm -hmm. degrees out um dress pants and like boots it's got to be very like classy and chic (laughs) yeah now i'm not the saying a social media person but they should record you guys like walking into the uh, rank with the pregame outfits i think that's like super cool to see oh yeah no they definitely should do that especially our team our team is very known for our style (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i don't know if someone has like a like an instagram account where they can promote that stuff but i think that'd be super cool yeah now, I'm talking to uh, Devin Porzanski tonight. Any questions I should ask her? Ooh. 
You should um, ask She reached her. out to me, which I thought was kind of ironic that two uh, St. A's players reached out to come on, so. Yeah. No, I think um, the biggest question you should ask her is just, like, how her, like, lifestyle in Colorado, like, compares to, like, being on the East Coast and, like, those cultural differences, because that's definitely a thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, that's cool, that's cool, and I know you both played at uh, Naha together, yeah. if I'm correct. What was that like, and now being college teammates? So she, um, I don't think she was there when I was there because I'm like older and I was only there for one year, but it's definitely really funny because some of like the jokes we have, like, you know, go back to Naha and like mm -hmm. nobody else would get unless yeah. you went there. So it's really cool to like have that. Biggest pet peeve. Oh gosh. Um, I don't like when people burp. I don't know, I just don't like it. I actually really can't burp. Yeah, I, I don't burp, like I just can't. My body like can't. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. I don't. I think it's, if it's gotta come out somewhere, it's gotta come out yeah. somewhere. Just, I don't know, don't like, just be gross about it. I yeah, guess. some people just blatantly burp, <laughs> and I'm like, I can't deal with you. My biggest pet peeve, and you totally get this, because it's been irking me more recently being on this island, yeah. I guess, is bad drivers. Oh my goodness, well I'm a bad driver, and I no, think I, bl I blame that on the traffic, though. I really do. I'm going to say you're not a bad driver, just for the sake of this argument, but <laughs> the people here, like, it's either I'm behind the slowest car ever, yeah. and it's just like, I know you're on vacation, but like, you got to speed it up, pal, or at least pull over and figure out where you're going, or the hot rod behind me yeah. when I'm, like, going to tell, like, rear-end me. Yeah. So it's, like, one of the two. It's just, uh it's so much worse here. Like, I'm not trying to be mean, but I think Cape no, might have it, the worst drivers. Is. Especially because everyone just decides to come here and i think july is actually the worst month for it oh really But like early may and like august it kind of winds down like well fourth of july weekend it was like the worst driving i've ever yeah, seen uh, uh, yeah i like central mass is terrible but like oh my gosh and the thing is i like to say once you drive in massachusetts you're officially a decent driver because massachusetts one is the hardest state to get a driver's license and fun yeah. fact and you have to learn it's a different style of driving here versus other states. Yeah, and we don't really use our blinkers here. So. I use my blinker. But <laughs> well, that's the, the stereotype. <laughs> I know. But here on the Cape, like, everything's, like, one lane, so that's why it's really hard to, to drive because it's, like, people are going one speed and you can't pass them. Now, final non-hockey question. Uh, who's the best trash talker on the team? Best trash talker? Mm -hmm. Sarah Cahill. Nice. Yep. She's also one of my roommates. She's 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 very quick, that one. <laughs> What's uh, some of the best trips she's had? Oh, some of them I just I can't say out loud. They're <laughs> not to repeat. <laughs> well, you you tell me after the after the recording's done. Yeah. So. <laughs> now back to some hockey questions. Now now you were telling me how you're kind of going to a transitioning to a D1 schedule. Obviously you mentioned that you're playing UMaine Northeastern. Just uh, talk about what that transition's going to be like for yourself. I think mentally, um, I just have to prepare for, I guess again a longer season and just a season of like uncertainty. Especially going into like this year, we don't really have um that much of a relationship yet with our new coach but it's definitely gonna like speed up as we get towards the school year but i think just accepting you know the roll with the punches is like the saying i'm kind of saying in my head to just accept anything that comes and just control whatever i can control and what should be done to help grow women's hockey obviously with the world championships kind of getting rescheduled and then robert morris losing their hockey program but then somewhat getting it back i think oh uh, today yeah so what's your just thoughts on how what should be done to help grow women's hockey I think a lot of it is like back again to the youth programs and like just sort of like sponsoring it because a lot of people are intimidated by the sport itself because one it's expensive you really you have to learn how to skate to play mm -hmm. hockey so if we develop everyone at the young age and give people the opportunities to sort of be funded and like 
have the opportunities to like get on the ice like it's gonna grow women's hockey a lot yeah definitely definitely and especially you have to learn how to like also like at least for guys hockey you have to learn how to check as well yeah uh, once you get older so it's definitely a lot of learning but i think like anyone that gives it a chance and plays uh usually likes it so um i think what you're doing is incredible growing the sport and i think it's awesome that other athletes are doing the same thing thank you so much <laughs> now um what advice i guess would you give a younger player who's trying to pursue a d1 college hockey scholarship um, I think the biggest advice is just don't get discouraged and that everything has to do with timing and like I know especially when I was being recruited I really wanted to rush the process and just like kind of pick a school and like be like that's where I'm going but that's really not how it works out you really have to think about what you want to get out of college like it's not really just about hockey and because at some point hockey comes to an end so you really have to think about what's going to be the best fit for you what kind of educational route you want to take and things like that. And that everything's in divine timing. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have any uh, shout-outs before we let you go, technically? Uh, any teammates you want to shout-out, family members, friends, um, anyone in particular? I just want to shout-out... Um, podcast host, maybe? <laughs> podcast host. Mm. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I just want to shout-out my entire St. A's hockey team. Like, they're mm-hmm. awesome. I love them all so much. Um, especially Gracie. <laughs> I, see, I, I know you're listening, Gracie. <laughs> Awesome. She's like the funny, like another funny person on our team. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much, uh, Blue, for coming on. I really appreciate uh, you taking time out of your day and coming on, being our first ever in-person interview. Now, because of this, it will not be on YouTube. I need to figure out how to record uh, these in-person interviews uh, <laughs> videoly, but I'll figure that out when the time comes. But I'm excited to start doing more of these in-person interviews. I'm excited that you kind of kicked it off as well. Anything you want to say about that being the first ever in-person uh, interview? No, I think this is awesome, especially, you know, with quarantine and everything, not being able to see people face to face like this is definitely nice. And yeah, like you're, what you're doing here is incredible and it's definitely helping to grow the talk about women's hockey. And yeah, it's, it's really awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And I'll see you guys next week with another great episode. Smile that makes the sun rise You make it shine But I can see that you don't read